Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast by the Timothy Project. Tune in to an intriguing, mind-stimulating podcast where your mind-boggling questions in the Bible are analyzed. Simply breaking down mysteries in the Bible, precept upon precept in the scriptures until we see Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Hello, TTP family. We are excited to have you back with us again. It's another week and another podcast from Between the Lines. I don't know how to feel today. Like I'm between sad and happy. I think this is the the most bittersweet episode I've had to record so far. And it's because we finally come to the end of the vocabulary of salvation series. Man, it's it's been a journey. Yeah, cheers. It's been quite a journey. (laughs) Yeah, it's been an awesome journey. I mean, we've gone through sin, righteousness, redemption, propitiation, remission, justification, reconciliation, and finally, we're on the last one, which is adoption. Now, to be honest, adoption is one of my top three favorites. It's like my second favorite in the entire series, so I'm excited to discuss it today. But, you know, I, I feel a little sad thinking that uh, it's it's the end of the vocabulary of salvation series. Uh, but that's the, the, the beauty of the internet. You still have the blog post there. You still have all the podcast episodes to go and listen to again and again. Uh, but let me not get ahead of myself. I have some wonderful people here with me that will be discussing the topic with me today. We have our usual Beth Mon. Beth Mon, please say hi. Hi guys, how you doing? <laughs> so too, what's up? Oh, I'm around though, by grace. God is keeping us. Hello everyone. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> and we have a special guest today. He goes by Alex, but I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. Alex, take the mic. <laughs> hey, Virginia. Okay, um, I'm Alexander. Um at Nkavi Temple, ICGC, and I'm happy to be here, yeah. <laughs> short and sweet, short and sweet. <laughs> wow, how, how do you guys feel, like, before we move into the episode, how do you guys feel about um, the series so far? I mean, what are your favorite episodes? What are your thoughts about it? How has the journey been for you? Um, for me, it's been well, it's been a long series and uh, an enjoyable one. Um, my favorite episode would be Zen, and um, uh, followed closely, very close by Adoption, right? And maybe because they're the first and last, but yeah, because um, uh, when we looked at Sin, for me, it was the exploring of the various nuances, redefining it, not redefining, but properly situating the word, um, brought some excitement to it. And uh, I think uh, adoption adoption has this very nice way. It's like when you're listening to a symphony and it hits a certain crescendo. Yes, that's how adopt, that's the feeling that adoption brings. So I, I love okay. both. In other words, when, when you are listening to Cantata and then the, the chorus like gets to the nice part. For those <laughs> of us who are orchestra fans. <laughs> so to yeah. us, the journey been? Um, it's, it's been fun. It's been interesting. Um, it's been eye-opening, actually. Um, 
to fully understand and grasp the depth to which um, uh, Christ has, uh, or God has, has finished the work of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and to fully understand um, the, the nuances to all that he has done. It gives you um, even more reason to love God more. And, you know, the scripture that um, comes to mind is, for, to whom that much has been forgiven, he loves much, right? And so having known what, how much I have been forgiven and the price that Christ had to pay, uh, it makes me just uh, love him more. And for me, I, I, I think I would side with Bethmon. Um, my two favorites uh, will be sin and adoption. However, uh, if, I, if I'm to pick one, it will be adoption. I just love that post. And I'm very excited about today's discussion. Woo! Yeah. Awesome. Alex, what's up? What, what do you, how has your journey been? Okay, it's been very educative and eye-opening. Um, for me, um, uh, getting into this series is, is it has sort of like opened up my heart to love God even more because looking at where we came from and where we are now is not just something that happened, but it was an intentional process and it has made me see how strategic God is in reconciling man to himself. And for my two favorites, I think I will side with my two seniors sending adoption but for me adoption does it all i don't know because of how it's totally opposite from how we are we'll get into it but adoption is like is like my best all-time best wow i mean i think everybody has has added adoption to their favorites so today i'm expecting like some major talking should be going on like no no it's more every now we'll be dropping in this <laughs> Mm. right well i can't choose only two my favorites are three um i think propitiation is one of my favorites because i knew I the knew word it. but never I really it. Underst understood it <laughs> you called it eh? yes yay <laughs> no because it's one of those words that you know like i could probably have used it in a sentence i i had a, an, a vague concept of what it meant but the blog post really, how do I say this? It's like looking at um, a painting and then before, like, you know, layman, you could just admire it, that, oh, this is pretty. But if another artist were to look at that painting, they would appreciate more the brushwork and the materials used for the painting and the style of painting. And I felt like that's like the new sort of understanding and appreciation I have for the word. So that's why my all time favorite. Closely followed by remission. No cap. I like remission because of the goods. <laughs> and <laughs> but don't judge me. Every time I read that post, it makes me happy. <laughs> right. And then finally, we come to adoption. So I mean, we've 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 said adoption a couple of times now. And I'm sure everybody's like, you know, especially those of you who are stubborn and have still not going to read the blogs. Uh, you're wondering what is it about adoption why are we all choosing it as our favorite and i think it's just the the plot twist really when it comes to how we have understood the world so far um and what it really actually means to us as christians so i i'm not sure how to do this yet i i, I kind of want us to go straight to the blog post 
but there's something um like i mean we alex hinted at it and i just mentioned it that you know even even though we we all know the word adoption it's not exactly how it is in the in the in the post what it means to us as christians is not what it means in today's english bethany do you want to do a bit more light on that Okay, so um, uh, the first thing I want uh, to address and uh, which we looked at in the process, whenever we approach the Bible, um, we should leave um, our presuppositions at the door, right? And read the words for what the author intended them to mean. It's like I'm um, going into a different culture and seeing their ways of building and their way of doing things and automatically coming across to say that these people are barbaric and backward just because you don't understand what those things mean within their culture and sometimes it's even goes along like when we go into a certain culture you say these people are underdeveloped or undeveloped let's think about it think about it in their context what is their social context what are, are the words they are using what is their language like what how do they view arithmetic what do they do right to let's say if you if you go to a culture like back then roman culture or you see an ancient text from roman culture and you see mmlxii you don't look at that and say that ah, these people, they don't know how to spell. They've made a mistake. What was he trying to spell? You must first of all understand mm. that those symbols are numbers in their culture. So he's not trying to spell a word. He's trying to communicate some numbers. And, and it is that kind of reasoning because the Bible is, as much as it's spiritual and given to us by God, it's a historical document and there are historical settings and the people are people in history so we need to understand them in their historical context in their language and how they use their words and how their what their actions mean in their cultures because it is when we understand what they meant back then and what god did in the setting back then what god said to them in the circumstances back then that we can properly understand what God is saying to us today, right? So reading the Bible, we should be able to, um, um, as um, Ivan likes to say, context is king. And context is not just literary context. There's a historical context as well. And there's a cultural context. There's a word that you use in, 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 the, in the post that um, uh, for some, it might, it might sound like a big word, anachronism. Um, where in, mm. in literature, when we say something is anachronistic or anachronism, it means you have borrowed a, a concept or a word that was that carried a different meaning in a different time, and you are using it um, to reflect something else in a different time. And so, right. um, in our approach to understanding certain words, as you rightly put it, we need to understand, as you said, the context in which those words were used. There are certain English words that we use now um, that in some, some centuries ago meant differently. Um, if you had used those words in those times, they would have totally communicated a different meaning than we do now. And I dare say that in a few years to come, some words that we are familiar with and we use in a certain context will mean differently um, to future generations. So uh, it's important for us to have this at the back of our mind um, not only necessarily when we are reading the scriptures, but uh, with everything else, actually, that has to do 
with um, a different time or dispensation. Yes, for, so, for, yes, for instance, yeah. for instance, um, uh, there was a time ago when retweet or RT was not a common part <laughs> of our language, right? Retweet was um, uh, a niche term for an action on Twitter, right? So when uh, someone posts something and you retweet it, you repost it on your timeline. But now sometimes when you are having a group conversation and somebody says something and some you hear somebody shout retweet or in a group text, they'll put RT under and underneath. Yeah. They are just trying to retweet has sort of changed in meaning now. They're trying to say that I agree with this point. I wholeheartedly sign this statement, right? So even in that, <laughs> Even in our day and age, even within the King James version of the Bible, like when you read some parts of our King James Bible and it says, let your conversation be so and so, we shouldn't read conversation in the old King James as we are reading conversation today because um, um, when we read conversation in our day and age, conversation is an exchange of ideas in the form of words, right? So we are just having a chat, words are getting across, we are communicating ideas, and but when the old King James language uses conversation, he's not necessarily talking about the exchange of words, he's talking about outward conduct of life. So how you act. So it's like right. let your outward conduct be. So you see, as we move across time, words change meaning. For instance, when you take your Bible and you read uh, that God gave Moses the law on tablets of stone, you are not thinking God gave him a Marvel iPad or a Marvel Samsung uh, <laughs> Galaxy Tab 10. That's not what you think. Absolutely not. <laughs> and, and it's amazing that no. we, we do that instinctively with certain texts, but we don't do it with all the texts. And my, my, my argument today is that we shouldn't do it with some portions of scripture. We should learn to do this action with all portions of scripture. Then we can have a very balanced way of reading scripture because the picking and choosing doesn't help. Mm, so true. And on this note, um, let me hint, hint, after the vocabulary of salvation series, people will still hear from us. We are still here. We'll be coming at you with the new series. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to reveal too much about it yet. Just know that it, some, some part of the conversation has hinted at it already. So don't worry, cry. You will see more of us. Um, yeah, I, I love the fact that the way we have been seeing some words in scripture is not necessarily how it used to be. Um, it's not necessarily having the same meaning as it used to have uh, when it was written, right? And it's amazing how, like you said, instinctively with some of them, we know that, oh, they obviously don't mean this, but with some things we assume that it's, it, has, it carries the same meaning as, as it does, it has today, right? So with the word adoption, what, what is its meaning? Let's, let's put that parallel because I understand that it is also an anachronism. So what is its meaning today and what did it mean then? Okay, adoption in today's sense is very different from what the Bible meant. Okay, in today's sense, we see adoption as an outsider who is being brought in to be part of the family or to be a son. Okay, but what the Bible was talking about back then was a son who is going to be established as a son. 
you are a son okay but you are not fully made manifest as a son until some things are done i know we'll get to that okay right. so that is the meaning there is is a is very opposite okay so anybody who reads i mean the 21st century adoption meaning into this will do himself or herself a big disservice so i really thank god uncle Bedman spoke about context as king historical context and present day you know yeah so yeah um as, as you as you rightly said um in today's context uh, when we are speaking about adoption and you know the funny thing is let's, let me just backtrack here the funny thing is that in both contexts whether today or um in in, in biblical uh, times the the idea of 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 sonship or belonging to a family remains the same however in our context today the the the, the term adoption is used to refer to an alien somebody who is not a biological uh, member of a family who has now been legally joined to that family and by that um, legal by that legality if you will the person can enjoy certain privileges of being a member of that family. However, uh, in the biblical times, it was not so much as uh, an alien being um, uh, engrafted into a family or being joined into a family, but rather you are already a son, you are a biological son, you, you, you are um, recognized as such. However, um, when you come into maturity, um, and it is more or less like the way in, in, in our, in our uh, context here in Africa, you, we have these uh, rites of passages. And it is so in many other places in the world where a son will come into maturity and we take you through a certain rite of passage to sort of um, outdoor you and establish you, as Alex rightly said, as a legitimate son who can exercise his, his, his privileges as a son and, and, and is able to represent the father or the family in matters that um, that need that representation, and so we see if those of us who have been able to watch um, what do we call it uh, a movie like three the three hundred in those times or uh, in the Greek culture, they would they would send a, a boy who is of age into the wilderness, um, and you are supposed to fend for yourself and survive a number of days, and when you are able to do that, you come out as a man. And you come out as a as a full member of the of the of the society. It's something similar. And in in in, in recent times, in the Jewish culture, we see something similar uh, like that in in the, in the manifestation of the bar mitzvah. And then you have the in 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 Romans in the Roman culture, you have the the sonship toga ceremony. So these are all rites of passage that seem to. Um, outdoor or establish an individual who is already a member of a family as having come in into his own as a legitimate uh, as having the the, 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 the rights that um, um, every son is accustomed to in any family and can even represent the family in certain matters. So in our time, we only look at it as an alien being drawn or being added to a family legally. But in those times, it is not that an alien is joining us, but that a son is being established and being outdoored. And with it comes the, um, the full expression or the full access to all the, um, what do we call it, the rights that you have as a son. I hope that I have not confused anybody this, this, <laughs> this, this morning. 
I mean, it's it's a it's a a, a switch, you know. Uh, but that one is anything you would want to add? Okay, for me, I'm the geek here, so let's do some Greek and some Greek lessons quickly. So the word that is usually yes. translated <laughs> in our our um uh, New Testaments as adoption is the Greek word heutasia, heos from the Greek word son, and titemai for the Greek word to put in place. So, so it's a combination of those two words, heos and titemai, we get the word heutasia, right? So it means to put in place as a son, not to make a son, to put in place as a son, because when you are born, you are a son, right? You are, you are, you are born, you are a child. But for, for the ancient Near Eastern culture, sonship carried connotations that we have no idea of today, right? Sonship was, was a big deal. If somebody, and that is why the Jewish people would take up stones to stone Jesus just by claiming he's the son of God. Because to claim to be the son of someone, it's a big deal. You're saying you are one in essence, one in personality. And Jesus would say that um, what I see my father do, that is what I do. Because sonship extends beyond just um, a, a biological connection. Sonship is, uh, has more to do with um, uh, being one in essence, in thought, in actions, in deed, right? You are being embraced fully. And that is, that is the ideas that the, the Middle Eastern first century Palestine culture bring into the idea of sonship. So when we are reading the, the, the text and we come across adoption, 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 we shouldn't be thinking, oh, um, it's like, oh, they're signing some papers. It's a legal ceremony where somebody who is not a son becomes a son. No, like a bar mitzvah ceremony, the boy who is already a son is brought into full sonship into the family. And like the sonship toga ceremony that the Romans had. So the Jewish had their own, the Greek had their own, and the, the Romans also had their ceremony. So it was a common thing in that day and age, but we need to now immerse ourselves into the context and begin to look at the fact that it is not something that makes us sons because when we are born again, the Bible says as many as believe in him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. That is what makes us sons, right? To believe in Jesus Christ. But the adoption, Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter one, according to he has predestinated us to the adoption of sons. So Paul is speaking to the believers in Ephesus and he's telling the believers in Ephesus that God has predestined them to the adoption of sons, right? So there are people who are sons of God today children of God today, but they have been predestined to a future event known as the adoption of sons. So those kinds of texts should be pointing us to certain directions for us to begin to look at where we are going with the text. So I'll, I'll just leave it there for now. Yes, um, Eugene, and I, I'd, want to, I'd want to point to something uh, and maybe Beth, you can throw a bit more light on, onto it. In, in Ephesians, as you, you, you put it, um, we, we are looking forward um, to the adoption of sons. So the adoption of, the, our adoption, it's not uh, something that has happened. It is a future event. Can, if you could kindly elaborate on that a bit further. Okay. We're going to go down a long rabbit trail, but guys, please stay with me. We'll come home, okay? So um, okay. 
let's do Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, I'll read from verse um, three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So Paul's audience is clear because he's writing to the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That's verse one. Verse four, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, right? God, he, Paul is speaking to believers, people who are already in, and he's saying that God has predestined them to uh, the adoption of children. That's a future event. To predestine means to set the end before the beginning. So what is the beginning point? The beginning point is when you come into Christ. What is the end? The adoption of children. Some people usually read this text and come out with a conclusion that Paul is, is uh, talking about people who are not born again, being chosen from the foundations of the world to become saved. That is clearly not what he's talking about because the audience that he's writing to are people who are already saved. And he's saying that God has chosen us in him. Where did the cho cho choosing begin? The choosing happened in Christ. So outside of Christ, you have not been chosen. Are we together here so far? Yeah. So in the verse four, he says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundations. Of so we are chosen in Christ, right? And those who of us who have been chosen in Christ, that is those of us who have yielded and submitted to the Holy to God's gift and sacrifice for us in Jesus Christ, and by the Holy Spirit, as First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, have been baptized into the body of Christ. Those of us now in Christ have been chosen to the adoption of children. I hope it uh, you're, you're you're getting the point here. So that is yeah. that is what we are looking at. If you go to um, uh, Romans chapter eight, sorry, this seems like a mini Bible study, but I think we must do this. Romans chapter eight. So in Romans chapter eight, uh, from verse um, 16, let me read from verse 16. It says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So at this point in time, Paul is speaking about people who have the spirit, who are children of God, who are joint heirs with Christ. And if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the language, the language in the text is beginning to take a hopeful look at a future event. Are we seeing it together? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The glory that will be revealed in us, right? 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Mind you, he has said that we, these people are already the children of God because the spirit bears witness with their spirit that they are the children of God. But the earnest expectation of creature is now waiting for the manifestation of these children of God. Verse 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails with pains together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we 
ourselves growing within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. That is the redemption of our bodies. Mm. So you see that the text is clear, but for some reason, we have overlooked it over and over and over again on what the adoption is. It is a future event that Paul is so hopeful about. And Paul is trying to tell believers that our end is so hopeful and our end is sort of cast in stone. That is why he uses the term predestinated because the moment you come into Christ, this is your glorious end. Wow, that's right. Yes, so it's a future event, right? We are children of God now because we have the first fruits of the spirit. We have an, an event to look forward to, which is the adoption. And in another place, he calls it the manifestations of the sons of God. Okay, right. So basically the Christian Awadim. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this, this is the wow. very mad mark the difference between the concept of being born again and the adoption itself exactly exactly yeah okay because then if you are born again you you have been um you have been i'm, I'm struggling to get another word for born again the, 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 the <laughs> word the word the biblical authors use is regeneration good you yeah. have been regenerated right. exactly yeah. you see the, and so you now you are actually a son However, okay. there is a, there's a future adoption that will reveal you or manifest you as a son. Exactly. Wow. That's mm. beautiful. That's beautiful. And, 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 it's, and it's, I don't it's know. like this. It's like this. I mean, the, the closest I can find to it in modern times is when, um, you know, in the English royal monarchy, there are, uh, when a child is born to the queen, that son or the that is a prince or a princess, right? But yeah. not not all the princes stand to inherit the throne. There is one that would be um, dubbed the crown prince, and there will be a ceremony to to um, sort of induct him and make him the crown prince to show to the entire world this is the one who inherits the throne. Right, that it's it's full wow. short, but that's the closest it can I can get to it in a more in a modern sense. That on that day, we are not just walking today saying that hey, we are children of God, we are children of because come to think about it, pause. Today it has lost its meaning, right? But the term that you are child of God is a huge claim that a believer walks around with. It is it is right. it is um. It is an obnoxious claim to think about that hmm. you are saying you're a child of God, but Paul is saying that we are not just saying it. There will be a day everyone would see it. Mm. Amazing. It's similar to Jesus' claims as being the son of God, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. And Jesus' resurrection yeah. is the first fruit of the adoption. Because what is the adoption? Wow. Paul clearly comes to say that the adoption is the redemption of the body. And that is why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was very um, stern and didn't mince words when people were doubting their, their resurrection, that it would happen or that it has already happened. Because look at what Paul says. He says, if Christ did not 
rise from the dead, then we have of all men miserable. Yeah. Because then we have nothing to look forward to. Right. Um, so I think this is a good point to take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking more on the subject uh, of Jesus's resurrection and how that is the first fruit of our adoption, which is a proof of our sonship and all, or yeah, of our sonship in God. Uh, please make sure to follow us on our social media handles, the Timothy Project on Facebook, TTP underscore Ghana on Twitter and the underscore Timothy underscore project on Instagram. We also have a wonderful website uh, with all the contents that you need, all the blog posts, the classroom sessions, all our beautiful artwork is on there and it's at www.thetimothyprojectghana.org. I'll take it again, www.thethemothyprojectgh.org, oh, right? So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss this intriguing subject. again um it's it's been lovely you know wrapping up on the series the final final subject on the vocabulary of salvation series which is adoption i think so far uh, we've discussed how we've misunderstood the meaning of the word as it was used in in biblical times and i mean bethmond has been so kind as to give us um a detailed explanation of of what the word uh, initially meant and what it means now with contributions from all of our other speakers, so Tu and Alex. And we've, we've, we've spoken, we've given some examples like, you know, the bar mitzvah and the sonship toga ceremonies, you, which, all, uh, which, are all, which are all sonship, uh, I'm sorry, there's a blender in the background. We can hear it all. You can't hear the, oh, wow, then I'm, my bad, right, okay. So we've given examples such as the Bar Mitzvah, the Sonship Toga Ceremony, um, which are all, which all points to what adoption sort of meant in those days. And uh, Beth Mont gave an example of how, you know, in the royal family, the crown prince ceremony, the ceremony for the crown prince, uh, feather establishes him as uh, the son of the, the queen. Not that he wasn't before, but that, you know, he, he's is, is, is more or less a sign of maturity or a sign of, you know, establishments that you've come, right? And right before we left, we were talking about Jesus Christ and um, how his resurrection makes him manifest as God's son. Uh, I think the, the text that was referenced in the blog post was Romans 1, verse 3 to 4. And it says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This is a mouthful. Uh, let me know, what, what exactly do we mean when we say that Jesus's resurrection establishes him as God's son? Bethman. Okay. So just like I, I, I mentioned that um, our claim to be children of God is an obnoxious claim, so were the audience in Jesus's day. That was the way they thought about Jesus's claim. Imagine a man comes onto the scene and says, I am the child of God. I, I am God's son. For the Jewish man that heard Jesus speak, that was blasphemy. Because the, the Bible clearly says that we should not make any graven image about God, for God is holy. God is other than us, right? Then you, this walking, talking gentleman, carpenter in our midst, you come out making a claim that you are the child of God or you are the son of God. What do you have to show for it? Jesus consistently pointed to his miracles and the things that he did. But the greatest of all was that he overcame the leveler you see death was the great leveler for all humanity one thing that shows that we are all human the rich die the poor die the affluent die the um, the influential people die kings die paupers die so it was the great leveler right but if jesus could do something against the great leveler of mankind then he is not man I hope you're getting it. Then his claim sort of becomes more apparent. And right. that is what Paul is stating here. Let me read from the verse one of Romans chapter one. He says, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, I was set apart for the gospel, which God promised previously to his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And this gospel is concerning his son, who was born as a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit by the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the resurrection was not just a mere event. It was God putting his seal on Jesus Christ. This is my son. And the adoption is a similar seal we are going to receive in the future where God places his seal on us that these people who claimed to be my children here on earth are indeed my sons. Um, uh, and this is not a, a, a unique thought. If we read um, uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 24, this was when Paul went to um, uh, Athens and he noticed the inscription of the unknown God and he was presenting them the gospel. You see, he makes a similar argument here. He says, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by, I beheld your devotions and I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom ye therefore worship ignorantly to him I declare unto you. He says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needs anything, seeing that he gives life and breath to all things. This is a wonderful scripture. And has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. That goes racism. Right? 
and determine the appointed times and their bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, move, and have our being, as certain of your poets have said. For we are also his offspring. For as much then, if we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's devices. At the times of your ignorance, God winged that, but now he commands that all men everywhere repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man he has ordained. And he has given assurance of this to all men in that he raised him from the dead. So the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus Christ was an assurance, a seal, that this is God's son, the son of God in power, the one that will sit and judge the whole earth. For the Jewish man, God was judged. God was the judge of the whole world. If Jesus Christ is going to judge the whole world, what authority does he have? He's the one that has power over the great leveler of ma mankind. And God is the source of life. If Christ has power over death, that means Christ has power for life. So that makes him the son of God in power. So we are not talking about something that is different. We are just saying that the way we are looking at the adoption ceremony, Jesus Christ had his, not that he was never the son of God in power. He had his earthly adoption ceremony in the resurrection of the dead to point us to what is going to happen to us in the future. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, I, I just want to add something um, to, to this right. discussion. And it's more or less like a, a caution to, to all of us. Um, we, we, may, we, may, we may be tempted to think that um, as we have been pointing to the fact that the adoption uh, is God's way of manifesting us as his sons or establishing us as his sons. And the, the, the redemption of our bodies is that sign by which he does that. Um, let's not also think this way that until then we are not sons because um every son knows he's a son before they pass through the, the the rite of passage to make them a son okay so that knowledge um or that 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 insight is not lost on us as sons in fact the bible makes us understand the holy spirit bears witness with our own spirit that we are the children of god but the adoption as we have described it is for the benefit of them that choose not to believe, them that choose not to subscribe to um, our faith in God. Because in just like in the times of Jesus, when people did not believe what he said, that he was the son of God, his disciples believed, Peter believed. Okay, he says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life, all right? We know that you are the son of God. So they knew. However, to those that were not believing, the unbelievers, his resurrection was the sign that cemented and established him as a son and made everything that he said true. It is the same for us. God is going to validate us and confirm us as his sons in the view of the whole world when the adoption happens. And so for us who are already sons, I'd, we, I, I, I would rather that we do not look at ourselves the way those who are not sons look at us. Those who do not believe look at us. We already are sons and we should conduct or have our conversation here on earth as sons. However, 
we are looking forward to that day in the future where the Lord God will indeed uh, bring, establish us and bring us into a place where we are truly validated as his sons before all men. All right. And it's a day that every believer, every child of God should look forward to. It's, a, it's, it's, it's wonderful news. And I hope that for those of us who are listening, you'll be part of the number who are validated as sons and not part of the number who only observe and will only be grinding their teeth and say, oh, we should have believed. Right. Um, I, I love what you said, uh, what you put emphasis on, <clears throat> which is um, the fact that we, we are already children of God. And so we shouldn't think that because we're looking forward to the adoption or because the adoption has not already happened, that we're not children of God. And I think uh, we have a historical text in the blog that kind of throws light on, on what this adoption ceremony, you know, sort of feels like. And it's from, it's an excerpt from The Robe written by Lloyd Douglas. Um, let me read the excerpt. It says, when a Roman of our sort comes of age, Paulus, there's an impressive ceremony by which we are inducted into manhood. Doubtless, you felt as I did that this was one of the high moments of my of life. Well, I do remember the thrill of its abide with me still. How all our relatives and friends assembled that day in a stately forum junior. My father made an address welcoming me into Roman citizenship. It was as if I had never lived until that hour. <laughs> I was so deeply stared, Paulus, that my eyes swam with tears. And then good old Cornelius Capito made a speech. I mean, these people's names though. <laughs> okay. A very serious speech about Rome's rights to my loyalty, my courage, and my strength. I knew that tough old Capito had a right to talk of such matters, and I was proud that he was there. They beckoned to me, and I stepped forward. Capito and my father put the white toga on me, and life had begun. I mean, that just paints, for me, I feel like the, the except really brings it into context for me because you, he refers to his father, you know, you, so you know that he knows he's a son, but the ceremony, the acknowledgement of it, the, the stamp of approval, so to speak, is what we're looking forward to as Christians. Um, that's what our adoption is. That's what we are waiting with, with all of creation um to see yeah yeah um there's um there's another yes. scripture somewhere in uh first john chapter three today i don't know why i'm going to the bible like this but let's just go through it first john Do chapter it. three it's 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 at it's outlines everything so perfectly first john chapter three verse one see what sort of love the father has given to us that we should be called the children of god so it goes to address the point that already in the now, we are the children of God. He says that we should be called the children of God and that we are. Because of this, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So the struggles that we are going through today in trying to identify the children of God, we see Jesus going through the same thing, right? So the world did not know Jesus, it would not know us. Verse two, dear friends, Right. Now we are the children of God. 
and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that whenever he is revealed, we will be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone that has that hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. So this is what Paul, uh, this is what the apostle John is driving at. We are now the children of God. We will face crisis in this world because this world did not know who Jesus was until it was too late. And God have mercy, they will not know who we are until it is too late. But this we know, that now we are the children of God and we are gloriously waiting for what for Jesus' appearance because when he appears, we shall be like him. How is Jesus like now? Jesus is in his resurrected body. He is the glorious son of God. When he appears, we would also take on our resurrected body, which is our sonship toga, our garments, and we shall also appear as the glorious sons of God. But he adds a line of caution. And this is, this is one of the biggest takeaways for us. He says, whoever has this hope in him, there is one thing you need to do. Purify yourself. Keep yourself. Get ready for the ceremony. It's going to happen. Stay in readiness for it. Be pure. As Jesus Christ is pure. Mm. That, that kind of made me a little sober because all this while I've been just thinking about, you know, looking forward to the great party. Um, <laughs> getting ready for my, for my resurrected body that I'm going to slay in. <laughs> I will be growing with the white but on white you, you on know, white, you know, heavenly thread. But this 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 mindset uh, of the adoption sort of comforts me, you know, looking at the fact that yes, we are sons and we are going to be manifest, and then we will be free, devoid from sin. I mean, we will be able to live freely without the pressure of sin, the temptation of sin. We are like, like Christ. Uh, everything is just like him and we are with him so i don't know it's sort of like it helps me to endure affliction also, even the bible says that for 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 this light affliction worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and bible also says that for the sufferings we, the sufferings we suffer now is not compared to the glory that is set ahead of us so looking at i mean having this mental framework sort of like makes persecution temptation and suffering endurable and worth it I don't know if you people understand me. It yeah, gives me an inner peace. It gives yeah. me an inner peace. And I, I that, you see, this is why the adoption is my favorite. Because looking at the way we are suffering in this age, in this looking at the economic crisis, all kinds of, even in the church, all kinds of disputes and confusions and everything. Looking at where we would be at the end, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very glorious. It's very, it's very glorious. And I really thank God for, for, for the adoption. I mean, there is everything to be thankful for. It's everything to be thankful for. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think for me, the adoption is my favorite because of how full circle it comes. Uh, because this is the state that we had in the garden before sin came in. You know, before, so to speak, the whole vocabulary of salvation started. This, this one-ship with God, this um, righteous, blameless state is, is where we were. And then we fell from that. And so, so we see God go on this journey 
and then eventually come full circle to a place where once again he's he's putting his stamp on approval on, on us saying these are mine they belong with me they belong to me um i approve of them i i I am happy about them. Like it, it just makes me so excited that we're returning to that state of intimacy and oneness with God. And that's why it's my favorite because it just comes full circle and just shows us, um, it just gives us a, a better appreciation for how far the journey must have been to get to this place. Uh, but, you know, I feel uh, before we uh, bring this podcast to an end i can't believe we're ending man this 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 sucks i've i've enjoyed talking about all of the blog posts and everything but i mean if someone came up to you said oh i've had this, this series bible series called the vocabulary of salvation series what is it about each one of you um give me your elevator pitch for what vos is Two kind of stats for us. Right. So for <laughs> me, um, for me, I would say uh, this this whole series has, as I said in the beginning, has been very eye opening um, and very informative, and it has just given me um, more reason. You know, when when John says that we should have a reason um, to defend our faith every single time somebody asks us. Um, this is this is that thing that you need. Um, you are born again and you are saved, but having understood um, this vocabulary of salvation and what each of these words mean, uh, it just gives you uh, more footing and a, a more stable footing in having faith in what you already believe. Uh, you know, sometimes we believe things because um, other people believe them. Uh, we believe things because people, other people have mentioned that it is the right thing to do or popular culture probably will say it's the right thing to do. But when you understand the thing for yourself, um, you have a different uh, posture towards it. And I, it is my hope that anyone that is reading these posts and has gone through the series uh, would come to that same place of um, knowing for themselves what Christ has done for them um, understanding what God's plan was for us to be saved and how we ought to live our lives from then on, having been saved. Um, so for me, this is uh, my elevator pitch of what the series has been for, for me and what I've gleaned from it. Awesome. Um, Alex? Okay, yeah, for me, um, it's simple. Okay, um, the Bible says something that what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and then he loses his soul? And this scripture has sort of like come to light and the reality of it has just hit me because looking at the glorious ending we have in the adoption and looking at the things we strive for here on earth, it's like we don't understand what we have received and we don't understand what we have been predestined to so looking at the the wealth of knowledge and understanding that have, that has been opened up in this series specifically for my favorite the adoption i feel like i feel like i'm beginning to lose interest for the world 
Okay, not like I won't work or I would I wouldn't you know pursue my ambitions and everything, but Prosperitus. It, it, it's not it's not it no, it's it, it's like some things if I don't get it's not a big deal. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't need to it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, there's a bigger deal, and I've, I've already signed up for it, and I'm already qualified by virtue of the fact that I'm a son. Do you understand? Right. So, so I, 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 that for me, this is my, this is my personal, you know, stuff that I've taken from this, and yeah, this, this does it all for me. Yeah. Best <laughs> one. Me, um. So the entire vocabulary of salvation series started because I was tired of skipping over big words in the Bible. You see a word like propitiation, and I know we've done it before. You read it like you understand it, but you don't. You know, so um, I am glad that um, as a team, we've been able to come full circle with the vocabulary of salvation series. Um, I just want us to go through this series with an appreciation of what God has done for us. Because um, I think it was um, uh, so too that mentioned it earlier. Jesus said to him that is forgiven much, right? He loves much. And when we pause to take a good look at what God has done for us and understand what it meant for Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross, to understand the story well, the only thing we can do is to best out in praise. And again, I'm going to go into another text of scripture to help us look at a man's reaction. So this was Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy from verse 15 downwards. He breaks out in conversation. He says, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And this is where I want all of us to get to. That we understand that Christ came to save sinners of whom we were chief. 16, he says, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy. That in me first, Jesus Christ should show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which will hereafter believe after unto everlasting life. Then he breaks out into praise. Verse 17, now to the king eternal, immortal, invincible, the only wise God, be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul understood what God has done for him his understanding of what God has done for him made him break out into praise immediately. Some of us, we struggle to praise God. We struggle to love God. We struggle to, to, for our emotions to be embedded within this love relationship with God. Because truth is, we don't know what it costs God. And that's the purpose of this series. To bring to us an understanding and to bring it into context. So that we understand the price that God paid through his son, Jesus Christ. So that we too can break out into praise and say, as we wait in expectation, now to the king eternal, immortal, invincible, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. 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 Wow. Um... I think we really did achieve that um, purpose of breaking down the scripture or um, how do I put it? Normalizing and and making it more understandable how what scripture is saying to us. Because the truth is, 
we we really do skip um over some words and not necessarily that we don't understand the word but that you know it, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult concept to wrap your head around um you read a verse like i mean any of the verses we've read today you read it on your own and, and you're like wait what's uh, predestined for adoption even though our sons okay how uh through the and, and it's just such flowery language at some points right so um just in, instead of skipping over those words just coming to an understanding of what it is um that has happened because for the sake i mean i feel like we've we've simplified it without sacrificing the understanding of it because uh for for most well, I don't want to say for most pastors, but <laughs> a lot of times when the message of salvation is preached, is is more or less we say, uh, God loves you, Jesus died for you, come back to God. And while this is true, uh, the process God went through, the intelligence and creativeness and dedication and mercy and love and forgiveness and kindness. And, and justness and faithfulness and all the attributes of God that we see on full display in this series. Um, the entire journey he went through to, to reconcile us back to him, to catalasso us. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be putting Greek works back front center from now on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just beautiful to see and it creates like a richer understanding richer context um and, and a better appreciation for the gift of salvation and a deeper conviction so that if somebody comes to um shake my my faith with you know any of these wild concepts out there at the very least because this is something i've always said to myself but even even more now it makes it makes more sense to me now that even if I never understand anything about Christ, I would I would always follow him just because of three things, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And today we've learned that his resurrection has proved his sonship and, and that it's, it's, it, show, it shows us um, a snip, uh, what's the name, sneak preview or yeah, a sneak view of what our adoption would look like one day. And I cannot wait to see. Like, I can see the heavenly designers already getting my hair ready. I'll be sparkling. Listen, they're not ready for me. <laughs> so, um, yes. <laughs> if you're listening to this and, I mean, uh, bro, don't waste time, sis. This, this is, this is, very plainly written for you a love letter um from god and it will do you well to just take the time to read it and we have given you the platform um the ability to read it and understand it and if you don't want to read to listen to what he's been doing this whole time and i really hope that at the end of of this series i haven't gone through the entire series uh, that you listening have come to a better appreciation of who God is and what he has done for you and what you stand to gain in him.
and that you truly come to him, that you truly surrender to him because nowhere in this story does, does God get something beneficial. I mean, what are we, what are we adding to him? And yet he's still pursuing us. Uh-huh, so please uh-huh. come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He truly loves you. And it's, it's not because of anything you can give. He's not, he's not looking for your money. He's not, those are things you would, you would give him out of your love for him when you come to him. But you coming to him is, is just because he's been kind enough to extend that hand towards us, you know. Um, and that's my final comment on the vocabulary of salvation series. Man, ah, I'm finding it so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> but never worry. Uh, we, we'll be coming back with a different series. I'm looking forward to it. Very controversial. Um, I think a topic that people skip a lot because they don't want to deal with the questions that it brings up. Uh, so stick and stay with us. Listen to all the podcasts again. Don't listen just once. Listen over and over again and live out the messages that you hear. God bless you. We love you here from Timothy Project in between the lines. Stay awesome and goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Between the Lines by the Timothy Project. The Timothy Project is a crowdfunded discipleship ministry that seeks to train and disciple young believers, presenting them perfect to Christ. What we do here is made possible by your generous gifts and donations. If you've been blessed and seek to support us, you can find our giving options in the description below. Keep tabs on our website for exciting blog posts. You can also interact with us on our social media handles in the description below. The Timothy Project, presenting every man perfect.